days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time, and it's time to talk about day 12 of training camp. Storylines abound because somebody came back to practice after a little call out, and also, ha ha, there's a new player in town. There is a new player in town. It's a it's a ha ha player indeed uh, because his name is actually ha ha, not because it's funny. Uh, so there's a lot of great things to talk about, a lot of things to break down from day 12, some more insights, some returning guys. Right. The, the typical DNPs that we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks, right? These guys are still DNPing at the moment. So make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And get excited, folks, because we got a nice day 12 breakdown for you here. And then content from day 13. We are here. We are, we are going to be going live at occasions at sometimes today during camp. So you don't want to miss any of that great content when it happens. We'll be on around 3 o'clock, 3.30 today as well with our live stream to break it down, everything that happens from day 13. You don't want to miss any of it. And the easiest way to not miss it, be subscribed, hit that notification bell. YouTube sometimes drops the ball, so stay tuned to the community page as well because we'll post a link right before we go up. And a lot of great things out of day 12, though. we got to focus on one thing at a time. Yeah, I think the first thing is let's get into what happened with some of these roster moves. Um, because I think one of the things that came down the line right away is you've seen um, that they had signed a new linebacker. And the fact that they you know, had Flanagan Foles injured and they had um, Al Shair injured means they needed to bring on somebody else. And they did, and they signed uh, linebacker Donald Payne. Um, so another guy that played safety in college and has translated to linebacker. The 49ers definitely have a scheme fit, you know, something that they're looking for. Um, I don't know exactly how Donald Payne is going to you know, fit into this roster room. Um, right now, I know he's depth. You have the injuries, and you need guys that can take reps. So you make sure this guy's out there and he can play. Um, Flanagan Foles is on the concussion protocol. Uh, we still, Al Shire may be back by game one. We're hoping. We've seen him do some stuff on the side field when we were there. Um, so this, that's, that's the way it's going to be. But because of that signing, they had to make a corresponding move, and they did. They cut um, wide receiver Kevin White. So the Kevin White experience and experiment seems to be over in San Francisco, and they've decided to go this route. It makes sense, um, especially with Demetrius Flanagan Foles having the concussion stuff. If you're not comfortable or confident that he's going to be cleared by the time you get to Saturday, you don't want to go into that game down linebackers and having to play a guy necessarily with a group that maybe he's not comfortable or familiar running with or having to take extra reps or extra snaps that you don't want him taking. Um, so you're able to bring in a guy, bring in a body, a guy who's had some experience in this league, not a bunch. 2017, he was in Jacksonville from 2017 to 2019. Um, and he has a handful of games, 30 total games that he's been in and played in under his belt. He's only started five of those games. So he has some experience in this league, not a lot. But this is not a guy you're worried about coming in right now and blowing the roof off. You're just trying to make sure that you have enough bodies to function come Saturday. And, and you know, in case anyone else happens to go down, you don't have to worry about too much because right. you do have this guy now that you brought in at the linebacker spot who can do a bunch of other things. And in all honesty, at this point, this is kind of where we feel this group is at. They have an idea of the guys at the linebacking position that they're comfortable with and that they like and that they're seeing. This is just a precautionary piece in case someone goes down. 
Yeah, it is. You have to have a certain amount of players at each position when you're going through the normal reps at training camp. Uh, last year, we saw with the receiver position, once it dipped below a certain amount, the, the injuries kept stacking up because these guys were getting too many reps. Um, you have to have the balance. These guys take all these reps in, and so they have to make sure they keep a certain amount of guys at each position, which was another reason they addressed another position. We have the safety position that needed to be addressed because Tart is still out, and then you have Tony Jefferson that's out. Um, so they needed to go ahead and sign somebody else. They had talked about a bunch of different guys that were kind of rumored uh, over the last couple of days, you know, sure. players they could bring in. It was Sandejo and it was uh, McDougal. And they ended up going with veteran HaHa Clinton Dix. Um, and now he's going to be in that room. What his, you know, can he make this team? I doubt it. Um, even though he's a very talented player, it was a first round pick overall at one point, or not overall, but first round pick. Um, and but this is just I, I don't see it. He he got cut by Dallas Cowboys last year. Um, he hasn't looked good in a few years. So I think that this is kind of a, you know, maybe a let's take a look at it. You know, let's see what's there. But um, it's really a depth piece. And I think they're still comfortable with the guys they have in front of them. Um, but another another time the 49ers needed to kind of reach in the piggy bank and bring in somebody because um, these injuries are mounting a little bit. Um, and luckily, none of the injuries so far are season ending or uh, crippling or anything like that. It's the normal stuff that happens in training camp. Um, I think it's more of an annoyance that you have to bring, you know, make these moves and bring these guys in and use that cap space. Correct. I mean, look, he hasn't had a great year since 2016. Yeah. 2016 was the last time that this guy was playing at a Pro Bowl level. It's his only Pro Bowl year that he was ever selected to a Pro Bowl. And then he had that disastrous 2018 where he was jumping around from team to team from Green Bay to Washington, got to Washington, didn't really put up a lot of numbers, didn't have a lot of good things there. Ended up in Chicago in 2019, and then gets cut by the Cowboys in 2020. Uh, you know, if you y'all, if you're day one, you you remember Dave. We brought negative Dave on the pod, especially when the Niners and Cowboys were playing. We wanted to have a conversation with him about this team. Not a big fan of the Ha Ha Clinton Dicks. No, not a big fan at all. Uh, so this is a guy who I just have questions about and and concerns. But here's the good news for Clinton Dicks, right? You're coming into a situation where in Dallas defense not so good, secondary not so good. San Francisco, it's real good. It's real good. In fact, you got a much better front front four than you had in Dallas, and you got a much better front seven than you had in Dallas. So maybe some of those struggles and some of the things that he's been struggling with can get hidden a little bit, right? They, they don't have to be necessarily as prominent and as big of a deal. Um, and if he can, coverage-wise, be a guy who can do pretty well or decent, um, you already know this is a guy who hasn't any issues laying down hits and things of that nature and tackling. So for me, this, I understand it. This feels more like a name brand sign because I think you and I both felt, and there are some other 49ers fans, uh, Splash Cousins is one of them, who felt that Bradley McDougal was probably a better scheme fit in San Francisco because he ran a lot of it when he was in Seattle. So there's maybe not a, a big learning obstacle or hurdle. They obviously see something from Clinton Dix. Maybe it's uh, that jumps off the page athletically that they feel will work or fit in the system. Or who knows, maybe they know they're just going to cut this dude as soon as some of these other guys get healthy and they're just bringing in a camp body. That's exactly it. McDougal probably would have cost more money. So you, you, you make the calls, um, you look at these guys and see what they got, their medical, and then you make a decision. And if you can get this guy in a you know a league minimum contract where you don't have to pay any sort of a bonus, you do it um, because you are you you're looking at depth. You're you're just trying to get by until you get some of these other guys back. Um, that's what it's about. Um, he's he's not going to make this roster. I I I just I'm going to put it out there plainly. He's just not going to make this roster. Ha ha on me if he does. Um, and part of the reason he's not going to make this roster is because of Talano Hufanga. Talano Hufanga is out there and he's making plays. He's improving every single day. 
Um, and the fact that he had an interception of the Rosen one, um, USC one, UCLA zero. Um, he went ahead and made that play, you know, and, and he's developing, though. I, and he does. He looks good in his drills when we got to watch him. He was really close to us. He was right in front of us. And we got to see it. The, the technique is getting better. You can tell he feels more comfortable. It's always going to be an adjustment, especially the speed of the game. Um, he was a guy that flew around a lot in college. So once he adjusted the speed of the game, I expect him to fly around a lot, too. He's one that I'm really excited to watch in the game on Saturday because now he gets to hit somebody full speed and this guy's like a missile. He does. He flies up and he hits people hard. And I want to see him be able to hit somebody from the other team. Uh, Kansas City, be careful if you're going over the middle when Talano Fonga is sitting around there because he's going to take your head off. And that'll be fun to watch. It's going to be exciting. Also, him on special teams. I want to see what he does. He says he's going to be a pro bowler, special teamer. Um, this will be our first chance to get a look at it. I like that. I like the confidence. I like the bravado. I like the intensity. I like the fact that his head is in the right spot. Right. He knows that he may be not. he may not be a guy who can contribute defensively like in the every down defensive aspect of the game but there is another third of the game that he could have a big role in and the fact that he's motivated enough in that role to be want to be a pro bowler right want to be a guy who is the best in the league at what he does in that third of the game correct that's huge because again that's a guy who's willing to sacrifice and and not be selfish about you know wanting to be on the defensive side of the ball making huge plays but understanding he's going to have to wait his turn he's going to have to develop he's going to have to show that he can do it consistently and while I'm doing that, I know I can have an impact in this third of the game, which is just as important. Yeah, and yesterday, one of the things that stuck out the most, you know, when you get to these press conferences, um, is Kyle Shanahan just absolutely done with Jalen Hurd being hurt. Yeah. Um, he, he, he was very clear. He needs to get out there. He's not going to make this roster. Um, on the live stream, we talked about the fact that more than likely, Jalen Hurd is going to show up. And guess what? Jalen Hurd... Heard his coach, you heard, and he showed up and he went through all the drills and he did 11 on 11s. Um, now there's mixed, you know, mixed reports about what he actually did and what he accomplished. Uh, I wonder how much of that is. Are we just getting that irritation from people where they're like, you know what, this guy's done. This guy's cooked. He's finished. And they're not really willing to let this guy still develop. Um, or is he actually cooked, Alex? Is this guy really done? Because we heard a little bit about what he did in 11 on 11s. I'm curious what happens when we get to watch him, uh, how he actually does. Hopefully he practices because I want to see him in person. But um, I'm curious what you think about it. So here's what I will – here's my opinion and take on this. Ooh. I'll separate the two. My take is is that you need – when you're listening to people talk about Jalen Hurd, you have to take all of it with a grain of salt. What is their opinion? What has their opinion been on Jalen Hurd? If they've put something out recently stating that they don't think he's going to make the roster or they don't think he's healthy or that he can't stay healthy, then you're going to get a spin one way. If you're listening to the 49ers cutback, for example, you know there's a full belief in Jalen Hurts. So you're going to get a spin potentially the other way as well. So you have to take all of it in with a grain of salt, take all of that information Probably. in, digest <laughs> it, right? And then try and come up with your own like rationale and reasoning for it based on all of the information you have out there because the truth probably lies, lies somewhere in the middle. Um, there was a lot of reports today talking about how he couldn't get separation from corners. Um, he was struggling to get separation, struggling to get open. And you and I have talked about this in the past. Everyone's definition of separation at the NFL level is different. Completely different. It, it varies from person to person. Some people want separation to be three to five steps. Some people want separation to be you put the guy on the ground and you're wide the frick open. right? Some people's idea of separation is you're just able to get yourself in the right position to catch the football, meaning even the guy's blanketing you. If you're in between ball, 
you and then defender, right? Then that is that can be considered a separation for some people. And then some people just want to see that first step out of a break that you create some space, so you create a lane for the quarterback to throw into that you can then receive the ball on the move and keep going, or just you know create that space so that way you can catch the ball cleanly without interruptions or you know a defender bugging or nagging you, making that catch harder. Um, for me, separation is closer to that. You know, if you can get a step on a guy, just a step, that for me at the NFL level is is supposed to be enough to make a play on the football. Um, if you are able to get that step of separation and catch the football, then for me, you're doing your job as a receiver. You created the lane and the opportunity for the quarterback to throw into. Any more than that, and I start considering considering you an elite route runner, right? An elite wide receiver when it comes to creating space and getting open. You're no longer you're not just a guy who can create separation. You're a guy who can get wide open, right? You don't necessarily need a scheme to get you open. We can put you on an island, and I know that you can get three to five steps on a guy because you're that talented. That's not every wide receiver, though. Right. Some and, some wide receivers can only get that step. Right, and there's context that needs to be here. Correct. Who is he going against? Yep. What route is he running? Yep. What zone? What coverage are they running? Is it zone, man? Is it zone? Uh, yeah. Um. Where exactly is he's six foot five, two hundred and thirty pounds? How much separation do you expect a guy like that to get? He's not Julio Jones. You know what I mean? Julio no. Jones is like one of those rare guys at that size, Calvin Johnson, that could get separation. Even Larry Fitzgerald for what the last five six years. Didn't get a lot of separation. He got a step. Six inches is enough. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that need to go into, right, context-wise. I will say this, though. I haven't seen him get separation yet. I've seen him do it in games where Kyle schemed him open, you know, in the preseason. But I haven't seen him get separation because he hasn't been out there. And and we called we, we called the same thing. Shannon. Once Shannon said it, that was a call to arms even for me. And I'm a, you know, I'm a supporter of him. You're was a, like, yeah. dude, get out there and start playing. He got out there for the first time. Do I expect him to have separation everything that the very first time he gets out there probably not no not coming back from a day when he said he didn't feel comfortable um so he's definitely dealing with something mental 100 percent, he is it's definitely me- well, um, and it may be it may be to an extent physical it could but i don't yeah. think it's 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 not a physical problem right in the sense of like there's something drastically wrong with his knee it's just when you have injuries like this there's going to be aches, pains. There's going to be times where, you know, if you do, you've done a little too much, it's not going to feel great. You know, I, I, as someone who's torn his meniscus, there are some days where I go in to do squats in the gym or go to do a leg workout and you start to get down to space and you're like, oh boy, it's one of those days. <laughs> like it doesn't yeah. feel, it doesn't feel great. And so you have to kind of mix up what you're doing. Maybe you take some of the weight off. Maybe you do one less, one less set. You know, if the plan today was to go run or do these things, Maybe I have to change up the workout because it just doesn't feel right. But I'm also not an elite athlete, right? I'm not expected, you know, if I'm supposed to do these things today, A, B, C, D, in terms of performance and physical activity, I don't have to necessarily maintain those, do those things every day to be able to perform and do my daily stuff here on the pod, work, whatever it may be. Jalen Hurd has to do those things to be able to perform on the football field. Yeah, he hasn't played in a game yet. Correct. And and we haven't seen him be able to play against another team and have any separation issues. Um, if he's if he's doing this in the preseason, he's not getting separation, then it's an actual question. But in one-on-ones, you know who he got separation from? Ombre Thomas. He beat him deep. Um, there was an errant throw. So we can't say he can't get separation. Well, yeah. yeah. Also, the other thing is Kyle Shanahan promotes separation with his route schemes, the motions, the schemes, all that. When did we become the, the team that needed everyone to get you know, three degrees of separation on every single thing that happens. Um, this is crazy to me. Debo, they he can't get separation. You know what Debo's been doing all all, all camp, all camp? Separation. separation. Brian Ayuk can get separation. 
Mohamed Sanu can't get separation. You know what he does? Makes a lot of catches. Um, it's it's a lot about scheme. It really is. I, I don't I don't see any reason why this guy can't get separation in a game. Well, let's talk about like Trent Sherfield is a perfect example of this. This is a guy who on film in Arizona didn't actually legitimately wasn't getting a lot of separation. True. He was not getting a lot of separation. It happened at times, but it wasn't consistent. We've been at two days of camp. This dude can get separation. Yeah. He well, 100% can. Yeah, and let's be clear. Uh, also, according to Matt Mayoko, uh, Jalen Hurd didn't get targeted once. So they never even looked his way. So if the only time if the only times you're watching Jalen Hurd then are during one-on-ones and things of that nature, if he's not getting targeted in 11-on-11s, 11 unless you're watching him every snap he's out there, there's no way to know with 100% certainty if he's getting separation. Um, that's why I'm looking forward to the first preseason game and getting him out there. Right, because then we get to dive into the eleven on eleven footage and take a look at him, and we can actually like physically watch Hurd on every single play, route, whatever he is he's doing out there, and be able to actually break down the performance and assess. Um, because just because a guy doesn't get targeted in in a game or practice and things of that nature doesn't mean that he's not doing the things that he's supposed to be doing. Sometimes you do the things you're supposed to be doing and are getting open, and guys just aren't finding you. Well, why would they have any sort of a focus on the on the practice plan beyond him? If he doesn't show up to practice the day before, there was probably no guarantee that they thought he was going to be there. So you have to wait and expect it to improve as we get farther and farther into practice. Once I know that guy's going to be there, I know I can depend on him, which means then I can put things in for him until then. Why would I have anyone look Jalen Hurd's way? He's got to earn it. And you know how he did it? By going out there and getting those reps today. It didn't matter if he caught passes or not. It didn't matter if he got separation or not. What mattered was that he actually went through the drill. Correct. And the fact that he went through 11-on-11s and he went through one-on-ones means that to the team, he signaled, no, I'm here, I'm ready to compete. And Kyle Shanahan will probably put out something for him Today, in the future yeah. and get him, you know, give him something. And then now he's got to make a play on it. Because they're going to make him earn everything. They are 100% going to. I think today might be a good barometer of that, right? We're right. going to be able to get over there, get out there, and see. And if he starts getting some targets, right, and we start to see them going at Jalen Hurd a little bit, then it was exactly that, right? Kyle put the challenge down, right? Put the foot down, put the challenge out there. you got to be here. You want to you make this roster? It, I don't care what your potential is anymore. You have to be available. You need to be out here. You need to show me and show this team something. And Jalen Hurd answers the bell. Right, he answers the bell on on Wednesday. Now he's got to answer the bell on Thursday, and then he's going to have to answer the bell on Saturday. If he can answer the bell for these three straight days and put something put something down out there, it starts to move him towards that that trust aspect, right? Where you can start right. to trust that this guy's going to be here. You can start putting him in situations and giving him opportunities to demonstrate something with the ball in his hand. Um, but yeah, you have to be available. We've always said this, right? The best ab ability is availability. For these players we said that with jimmy right we've said that now with jalen hurd last year that was the case for george kittle debo samuel brandon Ayuk, all of these guys they all missed time this offense can't function if you guys if you got guys who aren't in positions to be on the field to make plays for you they have to be available jalen hurd is going to have to show that he can be it's going to take time also to do that so again fans i get it you want him out there you want to see something from him immediately this is still a process you can't just throw him out there and expect like, all right, now do it. You haven't done it in three years, by the way. Do it. Do it now. He's got to build. He's going to have to earn that trust, right? Earn that respect and get more comfortable himself out there. Because like you said, Ant, a lot of what he's dealing with right now is probably mental. Yeah. And I'm going to say these things and we need to give, number one, we need to give him the respect that he deserves um, for this reason. He showed up. 
right? Mm-hmm. He the, the he coach called him out time. and he stayed. He he showed up. So that means he wants it. That's number one. Number two, he's not cooked. This guy still has a lot of talent. I've seen him going through individual drills. It's still there. He gets in and out of breaks fast. Um, he's got something. And number three, there's still room on the Jalen Hurd train. Go ahead and jump on. If you're if you're thinking about jumping off, you're gonna be upset that you did. Stay on board if you're on, and if you're not, it's okay to come on board. The 14 train is still running strong. No injuries are coming, and he's gonna have a great season. I agree with you. I think I think he is going to too. And listen, it may it just may not be early. I think you and I both hoped that we would get a little bit early. It's I know. Coming. I know I had hoped for early season Jalen Hurd because it would make – I think if he was able to have a lot of success early in the season, it opens up the dynamic of the offense for later in the year because you now have to focus on Jalen Hurd. We may get a little bit of an inverse where maybe the first three or four weeks you don't get a lot of big Jalen Hurd opportunities and plays. Maybe you see little flashes here and there. And as he gets more comfortable and Shanahan gets more comfortable, it slowly starts building and building and building until it hits its stride middle to late half of the season. We haven't even played a single preseason game. Correct. We have zero idea what this guy's going to do in the next <laughs> three weeks. He hasn't practiced against the Chargers. Like, all that is coming up, right? Those sure. are more pivotal than anything that has already happened. This this first, you know, what, 12 days, 13 days, um, is not as important as what happens over these next few weeks. Correct. Um, this is going to shape the, the way that the team looks. And, you know, I just think that, Sometimes I know everyone does. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. He was back and already everyone was like, oh, he's cooked. He's done. And I'm just like, how did we get there so fast? Um, but, you know, I, I'm rooting for this guy. Hopefully he does a good job. I think he is going to. Um, and look, we could focus, like, we could talk about Jalen Hurd all day. We, we really could. There's Probably. a lot of things to talk about. I mean, no, we could. Wait, there's other stuff to talk about. There are other things to talk about, surprisingly. And it won't just be the por- quarterback play, folks. We're, we're, deep breaths. You, you've been, if you've been around the podcast before, it's not just going to be all quarterback discussion and Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey made a big play downfield and then Jimmy threw a bad ball and then a good ball and then Rosen you know throws a great ball and then 15 terrible balls and then Sudfeld you need to acknowledge him all those things kind of happen at times Uh, but let's talk about this this 49ers defense you and I both have felt that this 49ers defense has been incredible the two days that we've been to camp they stacked another great performance on again today in day 12 uh, excuse me yesterday in day 12 Look, they're making big plays, the offenses, right? We've seen that, right? We've seen Trey Lance take big shots downfield, big plays, and then the defense immediately tighten up, stiffen up. Today they forced three, or yesterday they forced three turnovers. Three turnovers in crucial situations, right, where they were moving the ball down the field. Offense is getting a little bit of rhythm going, and the defense goes, "Uh uh-uh. I don't think so. Two of those were from Jimmy Garoppolo picks. One of them was tipped at the line of scrimmage by DJ Jones which you love to see from DJ Jones and then mm-hmm. pick, intercepted by Dre Greenlaw. And the other one was thrown, I think it was thrown to Debo. And it, it, was. Was, an, it was an interception by Jason Verrett. Uh, Verrett now has a few picks on Mr. Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, DJ Jones being able to get up in space. That's the first pick that Jimmy has had that's been thrown off of the D-line, creating pressure and tipping a pass. Yeah, we've seen Trey get balls knocked down. Um, but when we were there, we didn't see Jimmy get balls knocked down, mm-hmm. which is different because Jimmy does get balls knocked down in the games. Um, so that was something that, you know, he definitely has to worry about. Um, the fact DJ got his hands up is great. And the defense has looked good. Um, you're right about Jason Brett. We talked about this before. The way he closes in on these routes and and just, you know, takes the ball away. Um, a lot of uh, PBUs, you know, pass breakups, he gets in there and makes plays. So it's it's not shocking to me that he's causing turnovers. 
it's not easy to beat the secondary, especially when this defensive line has been playing the way that they've been playing. And then you've got these linebackers that are rallying and making tackles. I mean, George Kittle's gotten whacked two days in a row, one time by Fred Warner today by Dre Greenlaw. Um, these guys are out there. They're, it, it's getting to that point now where they're tired of playing each other. They're ready to play someone else. Uh, camp gets long, and uh, these guys are out there, and they're wanting to get physical. They're wanting to take out that frustration on somebody else. But I think it's a good sign how good this defense is. I think we all need to, you know, when we're, we're evaluating these quarterbacks so much, I think we're overlooking how good this defense really is. Okay, Jimmy had a bad day, or oh, Trey had a bad pass, but part of that's because this defense is so freaking good. I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised when we get that out there and this defense starts tearing it up. Um, so that's exciting that these guys are making plays. And I think since E-Man has got back, it just seems like, there is a certain sort of chemistry with that secondary that they all work together well. And now we don't have a side of the field that you have to be concerned about. Um, and everything just feels kind of right with that defense. And also D'Amico Ryan's being aggressive on third down because most of these turnovers and problems are happening on third down when he's bringing the heat. And you know it's creative heat as well. Um, and that's the big thing with D'Amico Ryan's is that it, it's, it's predictable right now in terms of when they're bringing the heat in practices. And that's good for the offense because it's situations, right, where you know the pressure's coming. You're going to have to make the right read. You're going to have to get the ball out quick. Everyone's going to have to execute. Um, and right now, that's basics. That's base stuff. Right. Um, bl blitzing on a certain down and distance or situation on down and distance, that's a basic inst installation package of a blitz package. Those are the things you're going to typically do. As we get closer to the season, that's going to change. Um, that's going to vary. That's going to differ. Um, also, how they execute those blitz packages and who's exactly coming will change and differ and vary as they get more comfortable with the scheme and the things they're trying to accomplish. Uh, but I, I will say this. When you're having blitzes like that, when you're setting up creative blitzes and being aggressive, that puts strain on your secondary because you can't get beat off the ball. And from what we've both seen from the days that we were there, from the reports that are coming out from the days at camp that were not there, when mistakes are happening, there's guys in, there's guys in the face of the quarterback. Yeah. And when there's guys in the face of the quarterback – that means throws are going to be tough, right? But it's just as tough on the outside covering those guys in space. Verrett and Mosley have looked incredible doing yeah. so. Kwan Williams has looked incredible doing so so far. Deontay Johnson has looked great in those situations as well. This cornerback room I don't think is as weak as a lot of people thought it was. It looks a lot stronger than we all believed it potentially could be, and I think it starts with Jason Verrett because I think you and I both think Jason Verrett is a better, a much better version than 2019 Richard Sherman. Yes, he is. Uh, I think the cornerback room is top heavy. I think we got those two guys that you feel really comfortable with, and then everyone after that is kind of like, you know, um, you, you're thinking about it because Giamma Lenore and Ombre Thomas have a lot of development to do. Um, Dante Johnson is a guy that we feel comfortable with, but I felt comfortable with him as the fifth corner, not as the third corner. Um, you know, at, at, as far as an outside player, Correct. I don't even know if he's going to make this roster because they want to keep Demo and they want to keep Ombre Thomas. Um, so there is questions at the cornerback position. I think that's fair. Well, there's not questions with who is the starters. Those two guys are set, established, ready to go, um, and they play well. So those aren't going to be any issues. Um, the other thing that's been brought up, um, and I'm going to kind of go off what this D-line has been doing, is how bad supposedly the second offensive line is because Trey Lance keeps getting pressure um and his face and these blitzes are coming and that's part of it the one thing i will say is if you listen to what mike mcdaniel said afterwards he's talking about um the the pass protection and what they think about it one thing he brought up was sometimes you have to know what the hot is he's talking about the hot you know the hot read the hot route um the receiver has to know what to do so it doesn't mean it's trey's fault 
but also the quarterback has to know what to do, and they have to get the ball out because sometimes the numbers aren't in your favor. They're going to bring more guys than you have blockers, and it gets put on the offensive line like, oh, this is an offensive line problem. It might not be. This could be a protection issue from the fact you have an, if you have an empty set and they're bringing more guys than you can block, if they're bringing six, somebody's unaccounted for. Um, so you have to find your hot route, you have to get it there, and you have to get rid of it quick. And if that's not going on, then that is part of the reason that they're getting so much pressure. I'm not saying it's Trey, it could be Rosen, it could be Sudfeld, it could be Garoppolo. I don't know who's in there at the time. I'm just saying he was very clear on that. And that was a problem that we saw last year with the quarterbacks that we had playing, whether it was Mullins or Beathard, is sometimes somebody would come unaccounted. And Jimmy has problems with this occasionally. I think Alex Mack's going to help with that, um, with him. But I look at this and it says, you know what, that is still things that need to be learned. So let's not put all the onus on the offensive line. I'm sure they make mistakes, especially the second string line. I'm sure they're they're struggling at times. But this defensive line is too good. But sometimes we have to realize it's not always their fault. Just simple math, five offensive linemen, six defenders coming, somebody's not getting blocked. Um, and I think that happens far too many times. So once again, we need to find some context. I'm curious when we watch um, if we can put some context on that. Yeah, especially since the, the other day when we went, we saw a lot more blitzes coming into play. And I, I, I thought, I kept thinking to myself, you know, I wonder if we're going to start seeing some more struggles from this O uh, in terms of turnovers. Because if there's pressure coming, that means guys in your face, potential for tipped balls, potential for not being able to step into throws and maybe put the zip or get your hips around and get, get your right, your shoulder and hips pointed towards your target and being able to put the ball in the spot that you want it to put it to. Right. So if you can't do those things, that can lead to turnovers, right? It's, it takes a lot of arm creativity and strength to put the ball where you want to put it when you don't have the ability to move and set and plant your feet and get yourself you know, in the direction that you want to be in to throw, right? Not every quarterback is Patrick Mahomes and is throwing across their body looking away from a guy and being able to put it on a dime. It's just not that's a that's an incredible arm talent, right? Aaron Rodgers does those types of things too. Yeah. Moving one day moving one way, flips his hips quick, doesn't get his hips all the way around, is able to put the ball on the dime going in a direction. He has no business putting the football. Those are very special traits in special guys. And we think Trey has the arm talent for it, but that doesn't mean necessarily that he's as cleaned and polished in that aspect of the game, and that's okay. He's a rookie. He's not necessarily supposed to be Correct. that clean in those areas in that respect. So understanding what your hot route is, understanding where your read is, right? Where's the blitz coming from? Because if the blitz is coming from your right, that's where you want to attack. That's where the weak point is of the defense is going to be. Right. Nine out of ten times is where that blitz is coming from because that's where they're bringing the extra guy, bringing the extra pressure. The hole is going to be there. That's the void, yes. Yeah, so you want to be able to locate that void and then put the ball in that area to whoever the guy is supposed to be. And sometimes there has to be an alert or a recognition by that wideout as well. This is happening. Hey, when this happens, I need to alert and change what I'm doing because maybe I have a vertical here and there's a safety sitting on top of the linebackers blitzing. Well, I'm not going vertical now. I need to get into this gap, get into that void, and make myself available so my quarterback has a quick dump off here. And that's why you have the number two struggling at times, right? Um, they're going to make mistakes. Wide receivers may make a mistake, like you just said. It could be a quarterback. It could be the offensive line. It could be a running back not picking up the blitz. All this stuff is... Look CBA instead of ABC. Yeah, I mean, th this stuff can happen. Um, and so sometimes... When we're getting, when we're looking at the focus, it's not always on what it appears, you know. And I do like their approach. I like that once again, Mike McDaniel made sure he made it clear we're not worried about mistakes or turnovers. We want those things to happen in practice. We're worried about those things consistently happening still. And if they're consistently happening still, and you're not improving on those mistakes, um, then we have issues. And I think that's been our kind of go-to for the 
the whole entire time. But, I mean, are you really not expecting this offensive line to struggle at times with this defensive line and the and this defense, the way they're able to put, you know, pressure on and stuff? Plus, I mean, you got linebackers like Jonas Griffith that's having a tremendous camp, and D'Amico is glowing about the things that he did and he's been doing. And, I, I mean, I can't wait to see him play because he didn't get to play any preseason last year. Yeah. Got no OTAs, got a very limited training camp. They ended up cutting him like a week in um, just because of all the stuff that was going on. And he ended up on the practice squad for a little bit. This is a, He's like a rookie out there. This is like his first real offseason. His first opportunity, too, to like really test his knowledge of, yeah. of the system and the scheme. And he's he's outshadowing the or overshadowing the other guys that are there, right, with Hilliard and, and mm-hmm. Sullivan. So I'm curious what he's going to look like. So there's a lot of exciting storylines. But I think it can't be, I guess, overlooked how good this defense is from top to bottom. And the first team defense and offense is a little, I mean, first first team defense and second team defense is a little bit better than the first team offense and second team offense. Yeah. And it's showing up on the field. It is definitely showing up on the field. James Burgess also had a sack today he as did. well. He would have been a sack anyway. Jared Maiden had some pressure today as well. Um, linebacker and safety. Linebacker safety. What a surprise. Shocking, What right? a surprise. Um, and then the D-line is, like you talked about a little bit earlier, has been playing great. Armstead had a pretty good day today. DJ Jones. Obviously had a great day today. Jordan Willis and D'Amico Ryans talked about it. Uh, he had a great day. It's really a shame that he's going to be sitting for those first six games because he's stacked a few really good days on top of each other and has been playing solid all camp. Eddie Yarborough is still lighting it up as well. I mean, this is a guy who wasn't even on the, the roster, wasn't on the radar. We weren't even thinking about this guy at all. He is playing himself into a great position to be able to put some really good stuff down on tape. And who knows? Yeah, he, he did look good uh, on Saturday when we went. He did. He, he looked really good. Um, he He's definitely stacking performances, giving himself an opportunity um, to push to make this roster. He's got an uphill battle to make this roster just because it's so good, but um, he's going to land somewhere, and he's going to you know be able to contribute to a team. Um, so it's nice to see. It was also nice to see Eric Armstead is back at practice um, and going through drills. Uh, he's good to go. Um, Samson Ebucom working on his rehab. So those were names I just wanted to throw out there real quick before we get into um, some of the D-line even more. But, uh, yeah, these guys are great. And, you know, what you brought up about um, Yarborough is nice. I mean, that, that's that's what you want, these guys to elevate their game, especially now getting into the preseason. Let's see what he can do, see if he can produce. If he can, you know, he has a shot to make this team. Jordan Willis would make this team if he wasn't suspended. Um, that, that, that is huge. Six games for, you know, what he did and – and getting, you know, kind of nabbed for it. Um, but I he had a really good offseason, his first offseason with the 49ers, uh, and he went and he worked with some good coaches and stuff. It's too bad because I think he could contribute, um, but maybe we'll get lucky and he'll be able to come in, you know, week seven and contribute to the 49ers, you know, and uh, help them off the edge. Um, if he's if he's doing as good as what has been reported, because um, we, we saw him a little bit, he looked good, but not to the level that, you know, he, he looked today. Um, then it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. Um, and the, the D-line play is is going to help the O-line improve, right? They're pushing and challenging them every day, and they're making things difficult for your quarterback room. Um, this is a thing as a coach. You want practices to – you want pract- you ideally would like practices to be the most difficult part of the week. If practices are hard, then games are easy, right? right? In terms of, like, performance, not necessarily, like – strenuous you don't want that aspect you don't want it to be so strenuous that you can't perform on game day but you want it to be difficult in terms of scheme what you're facing the types of players you're facing right those types of things if practice is really hard to execute against and you're still able to find areas of success locate those weaknesses and then have time to correct them whether it's just film study whether it's on the field whether it's a scheme adjustment or a game plan adjustment 
You want those things to happen now in practice. Because if you do those things and clean those things up now, when you come to, when it comes time to game, you're prepared for all of those extra things that could occur that could pop up. Um, if practices are ridiculously easy, right, where you have one side of the ball just dominating the other, it's really hard to find what is what is working, right? What actually works and then what actually doesn't work work. Because if one side's just dominating the other, it feels like nothing works, and then you feel like, oh crap, what am I gonna do? Do I do I just scrap everything? You know, there's only so many things that we can try and adjust in the window that we have because you have a week to prepare, right? And usually you have about three practices that are closer to full speed, and then you have a couple that are lighter and almost walkthrough types. Yeah, you really don't have that much time during the season. Most of it is just implementing the game plan, um, making sure that you're taking care of the next team, you know, as far as how you want to handle them. But really, you're just going through that. You're, you're putting yourself through the rigor right now to make sure you're ready to go. All, all of your preparation leads up to that moment when you're going to play those games. And Practices are way easier and way different in those situations. You're trying to keep people healthy from week to week, um, and practices are definitely not as tough as they are in training camp. So no. This um, is the hardest it is right here. Right. I, I think that overall the, the defense looks great. The offense could probably pick it up a little bit, but I don't think they've looked terrible. Um, I think at times Shanahan's getting frustrated with you know the offense and the defense. I'm sure some of the offensive frustration is the fact they can't move the ball against this defense, and I'm sure he understands that some of it is just the defense is really good. Um, but he wants to be able to execute at the highest level. And getting that done is not always easy. And getting it done in the situational football that they've been working on, um, he knows that that needs to be cleaned up if they're going to be successful because Jimmy hasn't looked good in the red zone. When we were there, he didn't look good in the red zone. He had another bad day in the red zone. Um, he needs to execute there because we do think there's a potential for Trey Lance to play red zone reps. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo might not get that many if he continues these struggles. Uh, it is a little bit of a different game when you play in that, you know, that 20 yard area, the game changes. Um, you don't have as much room to spread the spread the defense. So, you know, windows and lanes change about where you're going to get the ball. So he needs to step that up because Trey's very successful there. Um, once again, one of those things where Trey's successful in where where Jimmy's not. Um, and there's other areas where Jimmy's successful and Trey's not. It, it is a weird thing going on, but uh, hopefully that they can work this out and get these situational things together because you know as well as I do all all the time last year, I harped on red zone offense. That is a big thing for me. Uh, touchdowns instead of field goals. If you if you score touchdowns instead of field goals, um, you're going to win more football games than you're going to lose. You're putting up two times, actually more than two times the amount of points when you're scoring touchdowns because you're getting the, the additional three plus the extra point afterwards. The extra points on Robbie Gold. It is on Robbie Gold, but I mean, it's... It, the point was, right? Yeah, the yeah. point was is that you're able to put up twice the amount of points in the same amount of time, right? In the same True. possession. Um, and if you have three of those types of drives in a game where you're putting up twice the amount of points and your defense is able to hold teams to field goals, you're stacking up drives later in the game for the other team. You know, in a situation where if you put three together early in a game, right, and the other the opposing team is able to put up one touchdown and two field goals, Later in the game, you are now putting them in a situation where one drive necessarily can't get it done for them. They're going to need two, potentially three. And as that, as we get into that second half and the clock starts to wind down, as a coach, you have to start making choices and making sacrifices. Do we just leave ourselves in a position here where no matter what, we get points? Or do we risk it and go for that seven so we, cut, we can try and cut into that lead a little bit more? Um, again, you, you put the onus on the opponent later in games if you're able to punch things in early in terms of the decision making they're going to have to make later in the game especially if your defense is performing yeah i think so i think all that and that's why situational football is so important so you understand what you're supposed to do in every situation um and i'm, I'm glad they're working on it and they're getting better at it 
Um, and but sometimes it, it leads to mistakes and things, and um, that's how you grow and you learn and and you you get better. So um, I think there's a lot of cool storylines though at training camp. There really is, um, and these are just some of them so far. Some of them, some of them. Uh, and look, the, the the quarterback position battle is it is what it is. It's as we keep saying, it's the Jimmy and Trey show. It's the Shanna plan, right? Um, and you had Jimmy going thirteen to twenty four today. He had some struggles, um, no touchdowns, I believe, on the day, and it was just right. just some picks and an almost interception as well from a uh, from one, I believe. K one Williams. It was K one Williams. Yeah, yeah, he collided he, with, with Dre, Dre Greenlaw. Greenlaw. Yeah. So almost a really bad day, almost a three pick day for Jimmy. But you know, when you're going up against this kind of defense, that's going to happen sometimes. There was the the 2019 training camp right where he threw five in yeah. one day, and everyone was freaking out. And then you saw the defense performing in season, and you're like, oh, that kind of makes sense. So that, right. that could be the entire reason for that. Trey Lance goes 16 to 20 on the day. Um, he had a nice ball, a nice ball to Debo Samuel down the sideline, a nice 30-yard play. Um, we've seen Trey have those types of throws. At least once or twice at practice, he throws a beauty down the sideline to either Ayuk, Sherfield, or Debo. He has one every practice. Yeah, as a deep thrower, he's, he's spot on. I mean, he's really good. And as far as the turnovers go, um, maybe the DJ Jones one, it, you know, you take off Jimmy, but Jimmy can't make these mistakes. And he'll even no. admit he needs to clean them up. You can't go out there and have a three turnover performance. You can't throw these, um, you can't make these turnovers, you know, with the defense like you have. Here you have a championship, st- you know, caliber defense. You can't turn the ball over. Um, so Jimmy needs to make sure he, he's playing more consistent and he's making plays. And I understand from what I hear about, you know, what was going on, that more than likely they were doing a lot of blitzing and then having the quarterbacks, you know, go with a hot route or something like that. So there's going to be a lot of forced footballs today. Um, I understand that's probably why the ball got tipped. They know they got to get their hands up quick because the ball's coming out because there's a blitz. All that stuff works into it, but Jimmy needs to execute at a high level. Um, Trey got it done a little bit better than Jimmy today, obviously. Um, So this is something to just to keep watching. But I, I do think that Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is going to – he'll have better days every single time. I don't, I don't think he's going to have, um, you know, consistently bad days. I think he'll have a bad day, then he'll bounce back. But he does that even when in a game. If he throws a, a, an interception, the next drive usually he scores points. It's, um, usually, it's usually a touchdown. Yeah, it too. does. It's just – it's kind of how he does. He responds to that kind of thing. Um, and so hopefully he stacks a better performance than this. I agree. I, I want him today to stack a better performance than yesterday's performance. Um, and it's going to go into just where his head's at and where his mental's at and based on you know what we see today from him. Um, but Trey Lance has, has had those moments too and has shown that he can bounce back as well. By no means are either of these guys perfect. We've seen that from both of them. Um, and this goes to more towards that Shanna plan idea, right, that you're going to utilize both of them because both of them have times where they struggle and have times where they're not doing the things you want them to do. And then there's other times where both of them are playing lights out or one of them's playing lights out and the other one eventually gets themselves there. Um, that's the nice thing about having the talent at this position now that we have at the quarterback position is that if one guy starts to struggle, you can potentially turn to the other guy in situations to get that spark going and get this offense moving in the right direction. Because if this offense is going in the right direction, we already know the defense can get stops, get us the ball back, you know, keep keep, keep teams who make a big play from turning that big play into seven points and stealing all the momentum away. This defense can give up a big play, refocus, lock down, make you take three, and now you go from having a bunch of momentum and all the confidence in the world offensively to, man, crap, even when we make a great play, this defense is still going to lock down and shut down, and now the offense can go back, the ball can go back to our offense, right? And we have the faith in the guy, two different guys now who can keep drives going, keep drives extending, and eventually put seven on the board. 
Hopefully. That's part of the reason I want to see Trey work with the ones. Um, less to prove that he's the better quarterback, which I, I think at some point he's going to do anyways, is more so because I want to see him go against these number one defensive backs. Um, because we've just we've just stated that after you get past the first set, it falls off a little bit, right? We don't even have the depth at safety that we had before um, because of the injuries. So things are a little bit different. So I want him to go against these top flight guys because I want him to be able to execute at the highest level. And once we get to see that, I think that, you know, that'll be different. Um, how he handles blitz situations and stuff like that when you have the first team offensive line also uh, working with Alex Mack. I want to see all that come, you know, come to fruition, but it's going to take a little bit to see it. Uh, so far, Kyle Shannon hasn't been giving him those reps. Um, you wonder at some point if it does happen, maybe after the first preseason game, depending on how things go and how things look. But um, it, it's definitely something that I think we're all hoping for. Um, just for me, it's more of a tempered thing where I just want to see it because I want to see how he does in those situations, not so he can overall prove that he is what everyone thinks he is, um, because I think that's inevitable that he's going to prove that he's an elite quarterback in this league, but it's going to take time for him to develop. Um, but I just want to see that. I want to see him against Verrett. I want to see him against Mosley. Yeah. And I want to see him going with the first, the first line and getting a look at how comfortable he is back there and how well they mesh and mold. Because just because he's playing a certain way with the second team line doesn't mean he's going to come in and translate positive or negative one way or the other. You got to you got to kind of let it grow, right? Fester is not the right word, but develop. Let yeah. it let it sit a little bit. Let it you know marinate a little bit and see how they work. Because you know that there's a good chance that Alex Mack is going to be able to clean some of the things up offensively on that O line so that Trey has a little more time, or just even get them in the right spot so that they can put guys. Put blitzing guys, right? Blitzing linemen, blitzing linebackers, corners, whatever, in a position or in a way that Trey is able to find lanes in the pocket. We've seen the vision in the pocket a little bit and what he's been able to accomplish when he has the time to be able to, right, feel, read, see, step up, step out, and escape. When he has those times, he can make a big place. And the first team O line is going to probably be in a better position with Alex Mack to create those opportunities for him to have lanes to escape out of. Also, Kyle Juszczyk, George Kittle, yep. um, all those guys are going to be, you know, better at picking up the blitz, um, better at helping, you know, helping in blocking situations. So um, those are things that are going to be interesting to see. Um, the other thing I, we can't wait for Saturday for, Mike McDaniel brought this up, is just Trey running this offense. He said it was going to be different for him getting the play calls with a, a live crowd. And he hasn't had that. And they kind of asked him about that. Like, you know, I think a lot of people think, well, he played in college, so he obviously got him. But you have the helmet, Mike. You know, so he's like, oh, yeah, it's different. You know, the helmet mic is taking some getting used to um, getting that play filtered in there. And then he's got to, you know, be able to tell his teammates what exactly they're supposed to do and communicate it. Um, I think that's just something to watch these little things that you don't really think of on a day to day basis that these guys have to be able to do well. And I think this is something that he's going to handle. But it, just, it was just something interesting to keep an eye on. I'm sure he's going to do great. But it's something that they're at least focused on. They're focused on every single little detail. Um, so it's good to make sure we trust them and what they're doing um, because they're they're on point with all this. Correct. And let's not forget, folks, that even though he has played in front of a live crowd before, it's going to be nothing like what he's going to experience on Saturday. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a completely different monster. Uh, and as someone who's walked in to Ohio State Stadium empty and played high school football in front of people, walking into Ohio State Stadium empty from the Players' Tunnel, there ain't nothing. There was nothing like that that I've ever experienced in my entire life. Walking out into that horseshoe and seeing all those seats and knowing that those are all those all those could all be filled. Oh, oh! I had a moment there, just watching, looking at an empty stadium. 
I don't even want to imagine what that environment and the amount of adrenaline that's going to be pumping through Trey Lance and all these rookies' veins when they walk out of that front tunnel for the first time at Levi's to a packed house. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's it's going to be so much fun. Um, they're, they're, everyone's going to want to fly around. I Jeez. can't wait to see the energy coming from like Hufanga and Fred Warner. These guys are going to be hyping it up. They're yeah. going to be ready to go. Um, they're going to be flying around. They're going to be hitting everybody. And I... I mean, yeah, we're we're getting so close now. It, it's I'm starting to feel that excitement. I'm starting to get there. Um, I'm ready for it. It's going to be fun. I'm getting the goosebumps, and I'm getting the goosebumps. I'm excited. Look, we can't end a QB Watch 2021 discussion without acknowledging Nate Sudfeld. Nate Sudfeld. Got to talk about him a little bit. Went five of six today. Hit a big 35 yarder to Craycraft down the sideline. Right, I think it was on Aubrey Thomas, was it not? I believe so. Aubrey Thomas and and I th- apparently Thomas received an earful from Tavon Wilson on the sideline. So I like that. The vet getting on the rookie a little bit and getting on about something. Yeah, Tavon Wilson knows what's going on. I mean, and he's getting on these guys, making sure they're doing their, you know, playing their part. Um, th- that must have meant there was a busted coverage. You're not going to yell at someone for a bad performance, right? If you get beat, he's not going to yell at you to pick it up. He's going to yell at you if you bust your coverage. Um, so there must have been something that happened there. Something wasn't communicated. And, and Suddy took advantage of it. And Sudfeld throws a nice, pretty ball. Um, just sometimes he lo- almost looks lackadaisical. It almost looks easy for him out there. Um, so, but I mean, he, he's at least playing well. Rosen is still having these moments of inconsistency. If you're looking for the quarterback three situation, um, Rosen is good one minute, throws a touchdown pass. The next minute, he throws an interception. Um, we've seen that multiple days now. That's just kind of how he rolls. Um, and I think that is what's giving Sudfeld, at least right now, I think the heads up is because Sudfeld is more consistent and doesn't turn the ball over. That's, I mean, if you're Kyle Shanahan and you're looking for stability, that's stability, right? Good decisions, maybe some bad throws every now and again, but nothing game-breaking. I haven't seen a Nate Sudfeld pick so far, Um, and we have seen him take shots downfield. So it's not like he hasn't, you know, pushed the ball downfield or taken some risky throws. He has thrown some risky passes and even some pretty bad balls, and they just haven't ended in picks. That doesn't necessarily mean they won't eventually end up in picks, but if you're looking for someone who can just go out there and you know isn't going to turn the ball over, Sudfeld's got the edge up right now over Rosen because this was our big takeaway when we talked about this position battle to watch at QB3 was that Sudfeld hasn't done anything impressive, but he also hasn't done anything atrociously awful. Rosen does impressive things and then immediately turns around and looks like absolute duty garbage for the, for the rest of the game, right? He'll start off a game with an incredible throw and then throw two or three horrendous picks, and you're like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. if you were watching, if you made a highlight reel of Josh Rosen at training camp, you would think this guy needs to be quarterback one. I mean, because he has these moments where he just, I mean, throws the ball downfield so effort, effortlessly, it looks nice, uh, makes plays. The problem is you have the context of everything else he does in between, which isn't usually good. No. Um, and that's that's the real problem with him. It's just too up and down. The talent is there, um, but the recognition and stuff of coverage is just not there. And he still throws some errant passes where you're looking at him like, what did you just look at? What were you throwing what did at? You, what did you see? Because I there, yeah. was, there was a throw there was a throw the other day where we were sitting there, and he made it, and you and I kind of looked at each other. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Because I'm I'm all the way on the other side of the field. Can I barely have a view. Like, I, I'm struggling to see what's going on down the field over there on the other side where Secret Shanahan is running practice. And even I know that that's not a good decision there based on the coverage, based on what the corner is. 
Like, I don't know what you're seeing there. Well, I knew it was a bad decision based on there was no offensive player within sight and three defensive players around the ball. It's not the only time he's done that. Though. No, that, that that's that's usually not a good sign. Is that the Josh Rosen special? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's the Bermuda Triangle is what it is. Oh, no. That ball goes and never comes back. Let's hope Rosen doesn't end up in that Bermuda Triangle. Um, oh, and then, you know, gosh. Mike McDaniel discussed that some players aren't going to play um, at the preseason game. He said, you know, we have, we're going to have a plan for everyone to get in there, but their circumstance to where players might not play. And I, I have to admit, I thought the first thing I thought of was the quarterback position because we've discussed now with the probably more snaps for Jimmy and for Trey um, that study would probably get the last set of snaps and maybe no Rosen this time. You mean to tell me that the communications department put out that, that roster and that it may not be accurate? Well, it is semi-accurate, um, but I, you know, I did see some people saying, you know, they thought it was pretty much a hundred percent that they thought, you know, this was this is pretty close to what they saw. But there were some glaring things. Like one of them that jumped out at me was that Jamichael Hasty was ahead of Elijah Mitchell. Um, I mean, if you were going on seniority, then that makes sense. But I, I don't see that. That that depth chart for the most part looked like a seniority depth chart, in my opinion. In, in a lot of cases, I you mean, had you Richie, had Richie James where he was, and Trent Sherfield where he was. Um, yeah, you had you had Jawan Jennings and and Jalen Hurd, you know, together on the list. Um, I mean, you know, and then you had, I mean, other other tight ends ahead of uh, Jordan Matthews as well. I thought he would be at four, but I think my Cole Pruitt was still ahead of him. It it was interesting. I I have I looked at it, but I gotta admit I didn't study it, so I'm not gonna go into it. But the hasty one stood out, stood out to me a lot that he was equal to Gallman, and I think anyone that's seen reps at training camp knows that Gallman is definitely ahead of Hasty, and I believe Elijah Mitchell is as well. Yeah, I would, I would say that that's accurate, that Gallman is, well, Gallman is, uh, at this point in time, he's been operating as running back three. So the fact, yes, that, the yes. fact that Hasty would be above him or at the same level as him is, is just not, it's not a great representation of what we've seen in practice, right? It's just, a, it looks like more of a seniority list of who's been here, who's done certain things, and putting them in order that way. I know there was a lot of excitement around seeing Brandon Ayuk as the ki- as the kick and punt returner. Oh, the lead punter? Yeah, as as the lead guy. You don't think it was just alphabetical order? I think so. Yeah, I do too. They had five guys there and, and it, was it looked alphabetical like alphabetical order. order. <laughs> That's what it looked like yeah. too as well. So I I I I just I got a kick out of that. Um cuz here's the thing. Brandon Ayuk could be the lead guy in the room, right? He could be punt returner 1 and then only take punt returns on certain situations. You know, now that I think about it, you had Hurd and Jennings H J, you you have you have Gallman, you have Hasty G H. Um, <laughs> that might have just been an absolute alphabetical order breakdown. So it was a troll. No, I mean I think they put guys in order right because Sermon was ahead and stuff. Correct. But I think when they got to two guys that were close or equal, they just put them in alphabetical order. It's probably fair. Um, yeah. The other the other thing that jumped out was Jake Brindell was the backup center. Yep. Um, and I think we all think it's going to be Daniel Brunskill. You have to be able to you know maneuver your offensive line. You're not going to keep Jake Brindell on that offensive line. Um, plus, I've seen him block. It's not good. Well, it's a struggle because he's going against a great defensive line every also single day, um, but you just see how much better some of the other guys are. Yeah. That, and that and is, you're not counting on this guy to step in it and play if that goes down. No, you're really not. No. You're really not. It's going to be exciting to see, right? I, I want to see these rookies in this preseason game. I want to see these rookies today in this last this last bit of training camp practice, right? This last little bit of install before they go play their first game, um, because they're got the, the rookies are having some moments. They're having some flashes. Banks has been putting together better days. Um, I know today was a little bit of a struggle for that second team online, but it seemed like it was a struggle for all of them. And you expect them at some point against this elite defensive line in this solid second group to have some struggles and to have some issues. Um, Aubrey Thomas is again 
having struggles, having good days, having bad days. Diamandu Lenore having bad coverage situations and bad days, and then some good situations and good plays. For example, yesterday, right, he had the strip of Brandon Ayuk after a completion from Sudfeld. So guys are putting together moments and flashes. And when you're a rookie, that's what you want to see. You want to see flashes. You want to see good things from them because when you see the good, it means, you know, as a coaching staff, right, a scouting department, all of that, when you see the good, it's like, okay, the things that we thought we saw with this guy, we were right. It's there. Now we want to see the bad because we got to correct, we got to coach, we got to fix those things, get him up to speed with those other things and get him to where we where we need him to be in his development so he can have a bigger impact on this team. Rookies are supposed to make mistakes. Yeah. And I've been seeing a lot of people getting hung up on guys having bad performances, bad practices, or too hung up on the good stuff and the good things. They're supposed to be going up and down. They're supposed to have bad moments and good moments. Um, you want the good moments to be great, right? And you want the bad moments to be not that bad because if they're all, if it's a roller coaster, right, up and down, up and down consistently, then you start having actual legitimate concerns that you can look at and go like, well, that's not good that he has this moment all the way up here where he looks incredible, like next level talent, and then this moment down here where it's like this dude shouldn't be on a roster being doing stuff like that. You don't want the the drastic scale. But you, you should expect them to, there, there to be some variation in the performance. There should be some great moments, some good moments, and there should be some bad moments. You just don't want them to be on polar ends of the scale. 12 practices. You know what they're focused on the most? Technique. Yep. That's what they're looking to do. They're looking to be consistent with their technique every single play. Um, like we talked about last year with Ken Law and the fact that all he did was bull rush at first because they're working on his, his technique and trying to get him to stay low. You have all kinds of stuff for these corners that they're working on, these you know receivers that they're working on. It's about the technique first and then the results second. And so you'll see the re- results pick up, right? It'll be Rook will have one good play like Diamondo Lenore, and tomorrow he'll have two good plays, and then pretty soon it'll be three good plays and then four good plays, and they'll stack on these performances, and that's how they'll turn into really good players. But at first, it's all about making sure you have your technique down. If your technique is going to fail you, if you're going to you know have times where it goes away, you're going to lose consistently. So you have to make sure technique is the most important thing. Um, one one famous thing was Harris Barton would sit in the locker room and just be so worried about his technique, and he was a worrier, and they would always bug him and say, oh, you know, you're going against so-and-so today just to get him to worry. But he was so worried about his technique because technique is so important. You get that down. So these that's what these guys are working on. When they're watching film, they're not going, oh, you shouldn't have got beat on this play. They're going, hey, you did this and this and this. That's, that's why, why you, you got, got beat. So if you do this and you cut off his route here and you get your hand here, you're going to be able to knock away the ball. Um, so there's so much that goes into that. And that's the part of football that is being broke down on a daily basis in 49 training camp. Not, oh, Jimmy threw three picks it's or two picks. It's going to be, oh, Jimmy, you threw a pick because this happened, right? Or the offensive guard didn't get DJ Jones's hands down on a hot route. Make sure you cut him, get him down so that, that Jimmy has a place to throw the ball. I don't know if that's the case. I'm just saying... That is something that could be involved in even times when Trey's got the ball batted down. It might have been an offensive lineman's fault to get the defender's hands down. If he, it, it, There are situations too, right, where we've seen Trey hold onto the ball too long and take a sack. You don't necessarily know that the reason Trey held onto the ball too long was because he couldn't locate somebody. Someone could have messed up, messed up a route. Someone could have not True. been in the right spot. Trey could have thought this, right, A, was expecting A. He looks to go there, and the guy isn't there. Maybe the route wasn't as clean. He's not able to get off the press cover. There are tons of reasons why something may happen. The hard part about right now is there's no film. Like, there's some yeah. film out there, and you get to see little highlight stuff, right, where they show, like, five seconds of the play, but you don't have a full breakdown. 
The best part about preseason game one is we're going to get 11 on 11 film. We're going to get to break all of that down. You, the cutback crew and the faithful, are going to get to watch potentially some of that breakdown and see what's going on. And we're going to get a better idea and grasp of when mistakes are happening, why are they happening, how can they be fixed you know, and is there really anything to be worried or concerned about? Someone's just making terrible decisions and can't get open or whatever? Or is it these things can get cleaned up? This is how they can fix these things. And you know what? That's great because now they have it on tape. Now we get to see it live against another team. And these guys are going to get one step closer to being the team that we think they're going to be in this 2021 season. Context matters. And there's the context is going to be all over it when you play a game. Because now you know the play call. You know the defensive scheme. Um, you know what they're running, you know, the personnel groupings, all of it goes into it. Um, when you're at practice, you don't know what these coaches are saying, what they're doing. Um, so these, unfortunately, we can't make all the times as accurate of statements as we would like, and we have to leave it open. And I think it would be, I guess it would be bad of us to go ahead and say that we knew exactly what was going on, what people are thinking. And sometimes when that happens, I just shake my head like there's no possible way, you know, I can't even claim to know that I know what Kyle Shanahan's thinking about on certain plays. Uh, at least at least once I can see it after the fact, um, I'm able to glean what he was looking at, what he was doing. And even then, I don't have a full grasp of what he's doing. I can only project my own opinions on it. And that's what I'm going to do. But it's still it, it's still one of those things where you have to respect him and his decisions. Um, yes, he's going to be second guessed for those decisions. One hundred percent. Every coach is. And he understands that. But uh, yeah, I think that's what's exciting, too, is we're finally to real football. We're finally to win games. You know, these games don't matter, but they matter to the players that are involved because the back end of this roster is trying to make a football team in the NFL, whether that's the 49ers or another one. So they're going to be taking it serious. So, yes, preseason games don't matter because there's no W at the end of the game that really counts, but it does count to these guys that are probably from about 40 to, you know, 40 to number 90 on this roster. They're trying to make this team somebody like an Eddie Yarbrough that's trying to stand out and make sure that he's on a football team this year so he can make money for his family. This is his profession. Um, so don't forget that when you're watching the games, that these guys are going to be out there playing their butts off. And if you if you can stick around the entire game, the third and fourth quarter are always fun to watch. Especially in preseason, man. These guys have everything that they're fighting for, everything that they're playing for. For a lot of these guys, this is a dream. Right, This is. is a dream. Sometimes it's their first opportunity at that dream, and they want to make it a reality. Because, again, if you're not able to make it a reality in year one, it becomes very, very hard down the line to continue that path and get that dream and be able to live it out, make an active 53-man roster, be a part of an organization. And even for most players in the league, that window to live that dream is short. Three to four years is roughly what you get for most NFL players. Right. So they know that. They're aware of that when they come into the league. I got three to four years potentially to be around and be a part of this. Anything else after that for a lot of these guys is a luxury, right? It's a benefit. Um, most guys who come to this league are out as quickly as they get in. So they're going to make the most of this chance, most of this opportunity, because they don't necessarily know when or if there'll be another one. And players are going to elevate their game. Against the Dallas Cowboys in 2019, we found out who Debo Samuel was. We found out who Dre Greenlaw was because they had great performances. Of course, Jalen Hurd had a great performance, and that's what kind of got our hopes up. Um, but the other two ended up being big-time contributors that season. And the reason we know is because we watched them play in that game, and they were able to step up, and that's what's going to happen. Some people are going to pull away. Uh, maybe some, you know, a couple of these rookies are going to stand out. Uh, somebody we picked up in free agency is going to stand out. And that's what's exciting to watch. We're finally going to get a full glimpse of how these guys look against another team. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for everything that we got coming up through right Saturday, yeah. everything that's coming after Saturday, and Ant, 
live practices versus the Chargers next week. That's going to be exciting as all can be because you're going to get this group out there against another opponent, working on things, being able to get some of that angst and energy out of wanting to play football against an opponent. They're going to get some of that as well leading into that game against the Las Vegas Raiders, right? Really Are they playing the Chargers? Are they playing the Chargers in week two? I think they're practicing the Chargers in week two. But I they're playing the Raiders in week two, I think. Oh, okay. I, I just figured they'd be playing the same team that they're practicing. I, th- I think it's the Vegas Raiders. I could be wrong. And if I am, you should let me know down in the comment section <laughs> right now and lambast me. Alex, how could you mess that up? I just got ahead of myself. I apologize. My, my bad. You know, sometimes you make mistakes. Everyone does. To be honest, I haven't studied the preseason roster. Um, or I mean, preseason schedule. schedule. I just looked at it and thought, oh, they're going to be doing dual practices <laughs> with the Chargers. I figured they were going to be playing the Chargers. You would think that would be the case, and that very well could be the case. I think it's in L.A. too. I believe that it is also. And you're right. Okay. I jumped the gun there. Raiders is week three. Chargers in week two. So you get to put all of that in against the team that you're going to be playing. Chat, you didn't even get a chance to lambast me that long. Ha! But I, we course corrected. And thank God for your noodle, right? Well, thank I just, God. I mean, it just makes sense, right? You're traveling somewhere to practice. I mean, you're not going to travel somewhere, even though it's such a short travel to Las Vegas. It from wouldn't LA. be too far. Um, you could hop on a plane and get there in a couple hours, but still. It's Los Angeles is on the brain, right? Los Angeles Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, Los Angeles Chargers, Los, Los Angeles Rams. There's just Los a lot Angeles of, Raiders. Yeah, there's just a yeah. lot. There's a lot going too many, on. Too many, yeah. There's too many Los Angeles. I get it. No, I get it. But um, I mean, when it comes to preseason schedule, you know, I, I didn't pay attention too much. I did know we were playing the AFC West minus the Denver Broncos, um, but I, I didn't know that. You know, which I order didn't, they I were didn't in after Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City was the only one that I was focused on and paying attention to, and uh, it's, it's fine. It happens. Now, Listen, we got into the regular season schedule. That's another story. No, we, we got that down. Yeah, down. we got that. Don't worry about that. Look, we got a lot of great things to talk about from today, right? Today, day 13, the last day of training camp, the last time we get to see this team practice before they go and face the Chiefs on Saturday. There's going to be a lot of things to break down and discuss from it. We hope you enjoyed this breakdown of day 12 of training camp. Let us know down below if there's anything we didn't cover. Are you worried about some of the guys that are out? Are you worried about Jalen Hurd? Do the Jimmy turnovers concern you? Does Trey maybe not necessarily pulling away as much or as much as you wanted to? Does that concern you? Does the fact that the second team line is struggling to protect him concern you? We want to know about everything and all of your thoughts from day 12 down below in the comment section. And while you're down there commenting away, don't forget to like the video. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Hit that notification bell. That way you're notified for all the content that comes out today. And... Head on over to the 49ers Cutback Shop at 49erscutbackshop.com and cop yourself some sweet 49ers Cutback gear. Look at that TCC merch. We're representing the Wolfpack. We're representing the traditional NWO today. You want to cop this stuff. It is incredible. Feels great on the skin. Looks fly as well. You won't regret it. Yes, and we're going to be you know, watching training camp. We're going to be breaking it down. And a lot of these questions that are asked right now, we're going to try to get some sort of answer to them, at least some sort of context into what we see. Jalen Hurd, let's see what happens. Um, you know, can these defensive lines stack up another performance? Will the second string offensive line step up? All those things we're going to be able to get into, talk about, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty more that's going to happen. You know, is Jimmy going to have a great day? Is Trey going to have a great day? Are they both going to have great days? Which that's what I'm hoping for. Um, I want to see it all, and I'm excited to see these guys out there in action, and then we get to break it all down afterwards. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a blasty blast. We'll see y'all for the, the, the live reaction show afterwards of day 13. And until that time, 49ers fans, you stay safe. Remember the right way is, is always the 49ers, 49ers way. way.